Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hi, everyone. It's Bowen Yang here, and welcome, welcome, welcome to Search Party, the podcast. After all of the courtroom drama and that cliffhanger of a finale in season three, I was so excited to get the opportunity to sit down with the cast and creators of my favorite dark comedy to delve deeper into the theme surrounding the disturbing world inhabited by Dory, Drew, Elliot, and Portia. You're probably wondering why I'm hosting the podcast. Well, I have been such a huge fan of Search Party since day one, episode one. I am in this fun little liminal space in the New York comedy writing TV world where I have this perfect peripheral connection to the show. I love everything that Charles and Sarah Violet have ever done. I love all the actors on the show, the writers who write it. So it's my honor to host this and shepherd you along our discussions of the themes each week. Speaking of each week, each week leading up to the season four launch of the HBO Max series, you can look forward to not one, but two thematic discussions between myself, a creator or actor from the show, and a very special celebrity fan. Together, every Monday and Wednesday, we'll review classic moments, share behind-the-scenes anecdotes, and analyze the complex characters and unpredictable plot lines that make the series so much fun. So just a heads up, if you haven't seen the first three seasons of the show yet, you need to do that right now. Right now, it's imperative that you do that because otherwise there could be some spoilers along the way. So don't say I didn't warn you. With that, I'd like to reveal the theme of this first episode, which is denial, a topic I refuse to confirm I had any part in choosing. And to discuss its role in Search Party, I'm thrilled to be joined by co-creator Charles Rogers and celebrity fan of the show, comedian and actor Taryn Kellum. So here's the show. Hello, how are you two? Hey, happy to be here, Bowen. Thank you for having me. I'm a huge fan of the show, the series. I'm a newer fan of the podcast, but but you're doing great work. <laughs> so you're a new you're a new fan. <laughs> I'm brand new. From, from the emails, way back from the emails, actually. <laughs> a week ago. What's what's your fan threshold? Like like what does it take for you to become a fan of something? Um, if I'm acknowledged somehow. I'm all in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My favorite part of season two, I think, of Search Party was when they said, hello, Taryn Killam. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. He said, I think he said, don't be such a Taryn Killam. Yeah, and it was yeah, like yeah, a yeah. burn, but a burn with love where you can tell they're paying attention. <laughs> it's an It was an Easter egg for you. I, straight to the <laughs> tattoo parlor for me. Search Party just across the shoulder blades. The theme of this episode is denial. Uh, let's start things off by... Um, just going around and saying, oh, what was the last thing you remember denying? Just very, even Ooh. just sort of frivolously in your life. I feel like I, um, I, I feel like I canceled on someone just the other day by saying, hey, um, I can't. I don't know if that technically qualifies. As that's, that's a lie. lie? I think that's, that's a lie. lie. It's a lie. It's yeah. a lie. But You're it's, in it's, denial it's... about lying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there you go. That's good. That's good. 
That's the good top layer. Yes. Uh, I want to start out this conversation, start off this conversation. Uh, I want out of this conversation. No, no, no. (laughs) Guys. This is my favorite. I love, I love denial. This is fun. Well, this is, I mean, like for a theme, it seems like season three is almost all about it entirely. I was just going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For for Dory in particular, seemingly, you know, but sure. that, but that her staunch denial or manipulation, however you see it, feeds into you know everybody else. Like certainly Portia, like it, th- this was like such an interesting season for her. I feel to literally like she had denials of friendship, she had mm-hmm. denials of of responsibility, then she had denials of honesty. Like it was it was such a great season. And then with Elliot and with Drew and with I mean with that with all with all four of the the core cast I mean yeah for sure Elliot and his family the denial of his family and where he came from it yeah um, yeah right so um was 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 it so fun Charles to sort of <laughs> offset all of these people's delusions and denial for I mean yeah we'll, we'll just say it's denial but was it fun to offset all of that against this like very structured moral environment of a courtroom like like was that sort of the thing that you were working off the whole time. Yeah, I think so. I mean, denial has always been kind of like the main theme of the show. And I think we didn't really realize that at first. Um, Mm -hmm. But like when we finished the first season and we were like, okay, we've got a second season. What is it going to be? There was like, it part of us, it could have gone in so many ways. And it was like, okay, is it now like Dory's just solving mysteries? (laughs) Like there, there Mm -hmm. could have been so many versions of the show, but like looking back at the first season it was like well it seems like what her main character trait is is somebody who's like for lack of a better word in denial like she wanted to create a different reality um than the one that she was living she wanted to project so much onto Chantal and so it was like okay so if that's true about her then that's kind of like the crux of where the show goes from here on out so yeah I think the third season was probably the most fun season to write um it was by far the most fun season to write because we kind of already knew our beginning middle and end and it was Mm. our our end and so it was like we just have to kind of hang fun moments on this clothesline of like a court season basically wow because it does end up balancing all these different tones where you have moments of levity and comedy of course but then checkered against all this darkness and this bleak bleak circumstance it's 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 impressive so so you guys like had these temples out and then you just sort of hung all the fun stuff after that's what you just said yeah yeah basically because there's something so fun about like when you know the the canvas is so straight like it's like yeah. the legal system and it's like well then you can go as silly as you want as long as you're mm. always like countering it against that kind of like straight man context that you've got mm-hmm. so it was it was like anything kind of goes as long as it feels possible in a courtroom. Totally. And touching on that, I want to talk about the clip that Taryn brought today, which really kicks off all the murder trial drama. So in this scene, as Dory is mobbed by this gaggle of reporters, she turns to face the press and makes a very bold statement. Let's go ahead and roll that clip. I just want everyone to know that I had absolutely nothing to do with the death of Keith Powell, and neither did your gardener. This is just a huge misunderstanding, and I'm completely innocent. Thank you very much. Thank you. 
Okay, great. I mean, that feels like one of these pivotal moments of denial in the show that like just she had given the opportunity to speak the truth. Um, in my interpretation as as a as a uh, sort of dedicated viewing member is that that is not that is a very conscious denial. At that uh-huh. point to me, Dory does not is isn't at the place where she's digging in her heels and going like no no this was right i didn't do it like you know mm-hmm. the, when she says to to drew at the end like i didn't touch the obelisk thing you know by yeah. that point it's kind of like whoa 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 do you even know what, right. what you really believe but yeah. that's the definitely the beginning of her like conscious manipulation to me mm-hmm. sure yeah it's funny it watching it this time i was thinking like, I remember a lot of the conversations in the writer's room was like, what, why does she do that? Like, what is the motivation behind her doing that? And that's kind of like her most mysterious, like, motivation moments, probably, like, in the whole season. Mm-hmm. And there's something about it, watching it this time, that reminded me of, like, in season two, when she turns and then heads towards April, her neighbor, and pushes her off the side of the ferry. There's something about, like, her turning in both of those moments mm-hmm. and kind of making a decision with it that kind of, I don't know, it just made me be like, oh, that's a... That was kind of like an accidental, um, like reiteration of that moment or something. Mm-hmm. But then it's interesting to square that sort of impulsive action against what Taryn just brought up, which is by the end of this season, uh, you have Dory saying, "I didn't touch. I didn't touch the obelisk. We didn't do it." She's in this room with people who were there, mm-hmm. um, and then you're like, "Oh wait, she." she might believe that she didn't do it. And, d- and does that even count as denial at that point? Or has that transmuted into something mm-hmm. else? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We like fracturing was a big part of like this season and like her, uh-huh. her identity and like persona, like fracturing as like her, her lives, her lies like took precedent over her reality. Kind of. Oof. Oof. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. Which like happens all the time, like at different scales, like in all our lives. Right. Like mm-hmm. just, we 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 sort of curate our own realities in this way that we just believe to be true you know all that all that stuff i mean i think totally. i think for all of us there's like a very positive denial that we uh, i i feel confident in saying we all suffer from that anybody who enters the entertainment industry mm. is in some sort of denial of no i'm i'll succeed yeah i yeah. i deserve this and i'm worthy of this and and maybe some of that eventually becomes true through like earned skill and and just repetition in your 10,000 hours but you have to have a little bit of healthy denial to mm-hmm. face failure after failure and rejection after rejection and go no I'm doing the right thing <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and people want this totally and that's so true and also like it, the sheer act of like making something like creatively is so psychotic like it's it's like I'm going to present an alternate like version of reality that's inside of me and then I'm going to make you absorb it and, and put it inside of you. And like, yeah. that's just, it's like, you have to believe that your inner life is like valid enough to be concretized and like absorbed by other people. Uh-huh. It's weird. Yeah. If you think too hard about the transaction of between an audience and like an artist, I mean, it, it, just, it just gets a little, it gets a little too crazy. It gets heady for me where it's just like, Oh, I don't know. Like, like, why any of this? Why have, why yeah, why have this? I why earned... does this exist? Why, yeah, why are right. they listening? Like that's right. yeah, the big yeah. one I always come back to. Like, why are they, why are they paying attention? Why are they mm-hmm. absorbing? Right. Like just like, live comedy why... shows in general. Like, 
you're just going to come watch us make stuff up or you're just going to come <laughs> watch somebody go like, here are my humorous observations on things I've thought of, but uh-huh. it does. I'm mean, like, I, I'm a fan of so many things. It's something we, there is a need to. Right. So yeah. that's when the denial kind of becomes just truth. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's like imagination is like denial adjacent in some weird way. <laughs> sure. Um, I'm going to, this isn't, I'm going to um, propose a spectrum. Sorry. But I'm going to say, <laughs> or it's, it's not a spectrum. It's just maybe this, um, this, these, these little quantum steps, but you have, you have truth, you have denial and you have, I think there's this fine line between denial and delusion mm. where delusion is just fully like, embedding yourself in this reality that you've created where I think Dory has kind of done that. And I think that's, that's kind of what happens in season three is that she treads that line. And um, in that moment for her to um, plead her innocence or plead that she has nothing to do with the murder. I mean, um, do you guys think she's actually convinced herself that she's innocent at that point? I think, I think that she has convinced herself of an explanation I think mm-hmm. that certainly subconsciously she knows and is guilt ridden. And you see, you see flashes of that and pieces of that just in, in her performance. But I definitely think by the end, she somehow feels that the sort of staunch hard line denials that she's intentionally put out there have created sort of a justified path of like, Oh, oh maybe that was just my instincts. Maybe I did that because my instincts knew that there was a version of this that people would understand that I'm not mm-hmm. a bad person that I did mm-hmm. that I didn't no, none of us wanted to kill him right but and, and in fact in some ways it was self-defense but we didn't get the chance to explain that so it was actually just circumstance was kind of it's more circumstances fault than f- fully our fault you know yeah. Yeah. that self-indulgence that is that seems rampant in in sort of a millennial generation yeah mm-hmm. yeah I totally agree with that um I think like what's as like we've been writing Dory over the seasons, it's been super challenging <laughs> because it's like, okay, what is she really made of? And every season we kind of like find a new angle we want to dig into her and we find like a new side of her to unpack. And it's always kind of like under the big umbrella theme of denial. Um, but I think the longer we've gone on writing her, the more I realized like we kind of use her and maybe this is like annoying to some people to hear, but like we kind of use her almost like this sounds also like a little too fancy, but like, like a literary device or something where Mm -hmm. it's like, she, she is kind of a cipher for the bigger points we want to make about the psyche. And so like, there's something about what is deep, deep inside of her that, we've kind of let be a little bit unknowable because it's ultimately always about how we can't truly know what we're made of. And so that's been the most useful way to navigate the denial stuff. But she's, but which is perfect because she has never had that. She's always had this sense of being unmoored or not knowing what this true sort of internal self is. So she has nothing to like weigh that against when she's behaving certain ways in, in, in the real world. Do you guys relate to that? Do you feel like that's a quality you, you feel you have on some level? Oh yeah. I, I like was, <laughs> I've had many, um, chemical experiences where in the come down, I would, I would be like, I don't know who I am. Yeah. As you're eating like breakfast tacos in bed. Yep. yep. Yeah, I think that that like kind of quickly bleeds into sort of any existential crisis that any of us will have of yeah. like, 
What is our purpose? How am I defined? How am I perceived? That's the one that I think I struggle with the most is like, how am I perceived really? Like, how do mm-hmm. I, am I, are the intentions that I'm putting into the world, which is like, be as kind as you can be, you know, and, and, and celebrate things you love and promote that and friends and family. Is that what I'm known as? Or is, am I so in -hmm. denial or even delusional about, about my export that, uh, that that's not what it is. And I, you know, and that seems to be a part of door two. Um, Charles, you brought a clip from season two, and this is the moment where the friends are driving back from Montreal and they're just sort of in this conversation about how to reckon with the murder that just happened, right? That's right. We're going to be the only people we know who've gone through something like this. No, Dory. Um, no. I mean, for all we know, most of our friends could have done this. You know, most people are private about taboos like this is in our culture. I have to admit there's something unfair about all this. It's like, why us? Yeah, but no, because it's bonding in a sense, right? Right, guys? We're like bonded. Not really. Can you believe Chantal? I mean, (laughs) there's something deeply, deeply disturbed about this Yeah, thank you for saying that. Thank you so much for saying that because I feel like as a woman, it made me so angry because it's not okay to lie about abuse. Oh my God, I would never lie about abuse. And I lied about cancer. I know, yeah. I know. I mean, it's kind of like the worst thing you could do. Yeah, I, you guys, I just have to say, I have a really good feeling that everything's going to be okay. Like thinking back on it, we did such a sophisticated job covering this up. Yeah, let's hope so. Everything's going to be okay. You know why? Because we're good people. We're good people. Yes. And you know, that that's the way that we should look at it. You know? It, is that we are good people. Who are subjected to a, a really unfortunate situation. And that's all. Mmm. Very Beautiful. good. Beautiful. I mean, every line is like suffused with some form of denial. You know? <laughs> that whole scene is denial. Yeah. They're so good. I miss them. So good. <laughs> <laughs> that scene kind of follows, of course, the murder. Well, it follows Elliot sort of vehemently denying that they that they sort of that well that they that they that uh they killed Keith or, or that Dory killed Keith. Um mm-hmm. he's sort of the one who persuades them to cover it up, I would say. Right? Yeah. Yeah, he kind of like it, earlier in the in the episode before he kind of puts it on Dory to decide what she wants to do, and then he's like, "All right, well then this is what we have to do if you want to if you want to cover it up. This is what we have to do." So it's he kind of puts her it makes it her decision. Sure. Okay. Interesting. But Which yeah, is also kind of manipulative too. <laughs> of course, and it's he's sort of the perfect character to do that to sort of. Uh, bring that option to Dory because he his mode is just constant constant denial or, or subterfuge or lies or whatever you know yeah we kind of thought like this might not be the first time Elliot had done something like this <laughs> oh wow <laughs> that's funny that's really funny I mean do you think if Elliot wasn't there that things would have things would have just taken this different path or I don't know that's a really good question it was the perfect storm be- well because I think that all of these four people sort of uh 
to, to set each other up for these these awful sort of reprehensible things. Yeah, I think that this scene in particular is like um, everyone is enabling each other. That's yeah. the that's the biggest part of it is kind of how friendships enable each other and how I think a lot of the sustainability of relationships is is about because of enabling one another. It's um, mm-hmm. it's kind of unavoidable. Mm. I mean, yeah, for sure. And I, I just I just love how uh, there's just this like clockmaker's precision behind like having all of these four people enable each other through the series. Well, it's interesting. Something that I was talking about with my therapist um, mm. is <laughs> uh, is about how personality disorders the a lot of the like uh root of them is whenever the person is in denial of a whole aspect of like the human condition like if you're like i don't have shame i don't have guilt i don't have fear it's like that is the like core building block to starting to like unground totally i hadn't been told it so clearly but i really I've just been thinking about that so much since then because I'm kind of seeing how it's reflected in certain people I know and it just makes a lot of sense that that's like the, the that's the kind of key to it. Sure. I mean, that just like exemplifies this failure to confront some something about yourself that you'd be like, no, I don't have fear. But it's like, of course you do. Yeah. The fact that you think that you don't means you haven't fully right. just like it's- met this. Yeah. Yeah, we all have you. we all have everything. And then it's just like if you don't admit that you have part of it, then it's going to do something like ungrounding to you. Mhm. Mhm. I mean, none of these char- none of these people is grounded, you would say, right? <laughs> I would say they're I would say that they're the kind of the key to the writing the comedy like unconsciously, I would say is that like we like write the emotional reality their emotional realities are taking taken very seriously um mm-hmm. but then their behavior is really silly or funny or extreme and so yeah. it's like the the way that like everything is kind of glued together is that when something should matter it does matter and then if something can be kind of like treated more comedically and be like um you know elliot's you know covered in hives walking down the street naked right, then right that can be a joke because as long as you believe that he's in that position, then you can get away with making that as silly as possible. Sure. And you do believe that because you're like, Oh yeah, he's so viscerally reacting to this, like this lie of all this humongous lie that he's told, Mm -hmm. um, or, or just this like emotional state that he's in following this, that he would break out in hives and lose his hair and (laughs) all of that. There's an interesting sort of like, as you guys were talking about the grounding of these characters, what they have in in relation, there's a connection. Uh, I can I can draw it very clearly between Elliot and Dory, but I think it's I think it's true of of Drew and Porsche as well. Is that none of them live in a city they're from? Like, oh like, my gosh! Yeah. Like like all of them have denied where they've come from. When you meet Dory's parents, you feel it there, and obviously the Elliot's big reveal. That there's just even there's just even like a baseline denial of their origin. <laughs> like yeah. they they came to New York, they ran, they came to the big city to get away from whatever it was that That's true. didn't give them the opportunity to start life grounded. Yeah, yeah. You don't even know if Portia's dad is alive or not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there's this thing with Drew too, where I mean, yeah, that this hometown or this this like place of origin thing is so 
is so interesting, Taryn. It's like um with Drew, like his only the way he thinks about where he's from is um oh that's the place where like all these skeletons are hidden in my closet where I there's video of me killing the swan like i have to go get rid of it yeah um that's right it's it's just this yeah it's like it's just this place that like has this different self um than i am now after this quick break we'll continue discussing the theme of denial in the context of search party with charles rogers and taryn killam stick around Have you guys seen Connor's They Fixed the Market video where he buries yes. himself alive? Yeah, he's so good. Oh, my God. Oh, my he's God. He's so good. He's so wow. good. That he He's one where I'm just like, I don't even know how. Because I've spent a fair amount of time with him, and he's such a lovely, like, mild-mannered human <laughs> being. But just in going to write and create that. Of him pairing himself with like shrimp and mayonnaise <laughs> in the dirt to fix <laughs> fix the financial market. Oh God. Yeah. The casting on this show is so good. Perfect. Perfect. There's a lot of yeah. good people out there. That's the nice thing about New York, too, is that is that yeah. uh I think because you kind of know for the most part who everyone is in New York. And if yeah. not, they're like one degree away. So like I feel like LA is like a soup for talent and like new york it's like well i know where to look you know yeah it's yeah, nice. yeah it's nice uh-huh. drew drogi is like one of my all-time favorite people my Absolutely. favorite person to like see and dissect movies with uh-huh. and he was so yeah. so good and the, the season where they're pitching elliot about his about about his his branded wedding like that's a pretty great scene of denial that too where like yeah. at first elliot shows the slightest sliver of integrity the slightest and then is able to just push that out of his mind and heart so quickly mm. <laughs> i was walking behind drew Jogi and sam pancake on the way to shoot that scene and i was like two blocks behind them and i was just like watching them as like i think like PAs held like umbrellas over them and like everyone was just like walking up and down the street like who are these like six foot tall men with like gl- sheen just like covered yes. in glitter like with people holding umbrellas what is this like, yeah wow, wow. With, like in like the Williamsburg bank area or, or exactly or, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There you go. yeah their hair too is almost like do you remember those old Duracell family commercials where it's like a battery family and they had like yeah, 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 yeah. plastic oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There was just there was a shared silhouette with those characters in that Bob's big that boy was hair. Something artificial, exactly. <laughs> mm, beautiful. Um, yeah, I mean the casting is is like, there 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 have been like no misses. I mean it's all just perfect. Shalita especially because I feel like I, this is this is a really quick thing I want to throw in there, and I'm and I'm sorry that I had to like gracelessly segue from um talking about all these people, but with Shalita with Cassidy, um. Why does she go along with this crazy point of denial from Dory? Like, like, why do you think she sort of follows the thread of the lie all the way to mm-hmm. like the end? I she's kind of Casty was written based off of a couple people that Sarah Violet uh-huh. and I know, <laughs> and there's something about 
the DNA of her that's like so driven and up for the challenge. And because this was like her first case, there was right. something about her that was like, I won't be made a fool of. Like I'll somehow make it work was supposed uh-huh. to be kind of like driving her the whole time. And I think ultimately she didn't believe Dory, but she felt kind of like it was a little too late and that this was yeah. a, this was the task she had to to do that's, sure that's what you, i was gonna say bone is that it never feels like she's going along with it like she's mm-hmm. like the bs meter from the outset which is such a great this sort of unexpected from her character upon meeting her if anything i would say like you know my like knee-jerk reaction to her as a character of course she's not going to have a problem with it and the fact that she does more than anybody is so is so interesting fascinating and then going back to like denial or delusional then you have bob who i think is full in delusion (laughs) right like he's he's probably just the most delusional character of in the whole season (laughs) (laughs) or just detached yeah yeah. the the stakes are very low oh my god (sighs) louis anderson is so so great pure magic so funny truly magical magical man yeah um, but that's interesting that, yeah, you guys bring up this thing about Cassidy, where I feel like in, in some ways she's the m- most caricaturized millennial portrait on that show. <laughs> yeah. And yet she has this, like, moral conscious or this uh, conscious, yeah. this clarity around what should and shouldn't happen. And she's not an incompetent lawyer or litigator. Like, she's like, she's very good at what she does, mm-hmm. clearly. Mm-hmm. And she she does want to, and she is sort of duty-bound to Dory to, like, represent her and just sort of win this trial. But, um it's just, it's interesting to see her sort of be this voice of reason, despite yeah. her being so, like, bubbly. And, I mean, the fir- the introduction to her is electric. Like, you you watch that scene where she <laughs> picks Dory up from from um, this detention place yeah. or whatever. And she's, it's just, it's such a good scene. But then to see that character sort of develop over the season is great. Yeah. It's sort of like, like almost an inverse of she's an inverse Dory in that like surface mm-hmm. versus substance. The surface of Shanta is like, is mm-hmm. as vapid and shallow as, as you can go, but she has substance. She has a moral compass and she yeah. has knowledge. She also right. has like, a, like a, a real world skill set in that she went to school. Yeah. And she has a law degree where Dory right. is able to give her closing sentiment and give the surface of like, oh, emotional and she's in love and she's sad and she's mournful, but her substance is so corrupt. And so like, so it's de- decomposing as you watch the show, basically. Yeah. It's in, yeah. an interesting pairing. For sure. How many of the four main cast knew each other before shooting the pilot? You know, I think only, I think only John Early and Alia had met. I don't think mm. any of them had known each other. Because John oh, cause have- and Meredith, like their chemistry, that's sort of like yeah. wounded animal, bratty, spoiled kid dynamic. Yeah. You know, is like that's the best. It's just the best. There are yeah. There is I I, I can't even like point to a specific scene this season, but when 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 John when Elliot gets so frustrated with Portia and like <laughs> has to hostily passively talk her into his plan. Are like it's my favorite dynamic on the show. <laughs> we it's got really lucky. Good. We got lucky that everybody loves each other. Like yeah. it's truly, it's truly very cozy. It's really cozy. It's nice. That's good. I think it was like I think it was the wedding planning, and she's like, "Are you inviting Dory, or is Dory going to be there?" Right. That that scene. And he's like, "Well, I 
I have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh God, it's so funny. It's so good. I feel like on the on the matter of Elliot, uh, it seems like he is someone who his mode is is denial pretty constantly. Mm-hmm. Then that kind of also means it translates into him being able to keep track of whatever lies he's telling, right? In a way, like he's he's sort of on top of whatever narrative is being pushed more so than Dory, I think. And Dory is on like less firm footing mm-hmm. than, than Elliot. And, and I think, yeah. And I think compared to the rest of uh, the characters, but I mean, how does, what's, what, what, how does this differentiate him from Dory in, in that, in that, in that, in that way of denial? Yeah. I think there's some overlap for sure. I think that, I mean, and the more and more the season series goes on, like Drew also becomes, more and more cunning and duplicitous. So like right. all of them end up kind of sharing some of like more like shadowy traits, but generally I'd say like the easiest answer is that Elliot kind of just exists a little bit more in a comedic space where sure. I, I think that the, um, the depth of whatever his pain is, is just kind of not, um, we don't live in it as much as Dory. Like, Dor- we're here for, like, Dory's core. And then, like, what Elliot's able to bring is sort of, like, an awareness of all of his, um, you know, bad traits that makes him be a little bit more, um, like, dex- there's more dexterity to Elliot. Like, he's yeah. like, yeah, I'm this, 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 and this. Get over it. You know? And that's kind of, like, it's easier for the audience to, like, swallow. But I sure. think that his... his um you know, just like leaning into lying and that he's consciously lying is like Elliot's thing. And so much of Dory's thing is, is that like what she's doing is coming from some kind of like more impulsive primal um, painted into a corner space. And, you know, Elliot, I think it's a little bit more of a choice. I think sure. with him. they're also like they're, they're this season, season three in particular, they're, they're passing ships and then mm. Elliot has an existence of getting away with it and flourishing from his denial. Yeah. Mm. And Dory, uh, maybe more closely to what Bone was talking about, of, of like be- feeling disconnected, not knowing who she is, you know, a denial of existence. And then using denial as a tool to thrust herself in that now by the end of the season, she fully gets what she wants and gets away with it. And yeah. Elliot is not being able to get away with anything. Anything, everything comes crumbling mm. down. It's sort of the repercussions of denial. You know, he's, he's really faced with that and forced to into either, you know, uh, crazed uh, exile or, <laughs> or some version of acceptance for him. But Dory is only rewarded for how vehemently she's been in denial all season. Yeah, mm. that's perfect. I didn't, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that sort of directionality in terms of them going in opposite ways, but sort of kind of, kicking off the same place, you know? Sometimes mm. I make great points. <laughs> I would say you do it very often. Um, before we end things, I do want to ask Taryn, do you think anyone else will find out about what happened to April? How do you think this April stuff will sort of play out in season four? And just how do you wow. think season four will play out in general? Thank you for letting me feel that question. I feel like... <laughs> There's someone better well, qualified knows. here. Right. Well, okay, that's a good point. Um, yeah. God, okay, so now it's sort of just a, now it's like a, it feels like a game show. Like, it's yes, like the yeah, yeah, plot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that, I think that that's got to come, come back. 
Um, you know, uh, it, it, I get the sister's names confused. Is April the one who's still around? June. That's June is June. June, June yeah. is still around. April's they're the one twins who are who have different months. Yeah. <laughs> they're twins. Yeah, no man. One of them they was born in April or June. They were born in May. <laughs> and then they just on the took cusp, the book in. just on the like on the thirty first or whatever. Um, I think that that's absolutely got to come 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 back into it for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't quite know how. Obviously, m- m- like my interest and my focus is on Dory and this sort of like silence of the lambs saw sort of (laughs) uh, a a prisoner scenario. I do feel that her, I feel like at first her absence will go very noticed. And then just through the actions of the group, they'll be able to either deny or justify like, no, she just needed to go away. And they'll kind of like lose that connection is, is my guess. They'll kind of be like, she just needed to be by herself, honestly, because they don't, they'll become so self-focused again that there's yeah. kind of no one looking for her for a good chunk of time would be my guess. Um, and then, you know, like in terms of loose ends, I'm so I just love the character of Chantal and, <laughs> and that she's go- and, and her being arrested by the FBI and how that <laughs> plays out and that and that what will be revealed in that investigation that maybe somehow that that comes around but i also i i think i think dory's challenge will be to and i and forgive me i forget do do we ever know the name of her kidnapper we don't right we don't know we don't learn oh, i name. don't think we do know his name you don't know his name yet right yeah okay uh-huh. but <laughs> big, of, so, big spoiler you uh, learn his name oh no that's why people tune in that's why people you gotta listen to podcasts hot scoops um yeah i think there's i think like even in his brief moments, I can tell that you've nailed the casting again. Like he's so interesting, cool. and his abduction oh, man. Of Portia is. You is have so, no idea. He's yeah, so good. I believe he's it. So good. I fully believe it. Um, that that dynamic of Dory has just been put through three seasons of this gauntlet of how manipulative can I be? How how much can I control the conversation? And that's going to be kind of the duel of her mm. and her captor of you know because he's sycophantish as well right so there's so you know we don't know yet but obviously in the little clues we were getting at the end of the episodes he was a protector and he owned her and he wanted to punish her so i think i think dory is really going to have to learn how to conduct his his psychoses uh Mm. and 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 somehow get herself out that's all i got that's that's it and and other than that i don't want to I don't want to know too much because I want to just enjoy the show. But that those are my brief guesses. That's wonderful. Because yeah, I mean, it's 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 we don't get to see we haven't really gotten to see Dory play opposite someone who is a little bit more deeply tangled in psychosis than her own. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. It was it's a it was a hard season to write. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. But so easy to shoot. Very easy to shoot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Charles and Taryn, thank you so much for joining me in this conversation. Thank you for having us, Bowen. Thank you, Bowen. Well, I hope we can rest easy now knowing that there's a very good chance one of our closest friends is hiding something terrible from us. Thanks so much to Charles Rogers and Taryn Killam for stopping by. 
Until next time, I'm Bowen Yang. Join me on Wednesday, this Wednesday, for a new episode in which we'll deep dive into the many themes of Search Party with two more special guests. Search Party, the podcast, is a production of HBO Max and iHeartRadio. It's executive produced by Ethan Fixell, produced and written by Jonah Bayer, written and researched by Marissa Brown, and engineered, edited, and mixed by Matt Stillo. If you haven't already subscribed, rated, or reviewed Search Party, the podcast, please do so on the iHeartRadio app, HBO Max, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you might get your podcasts. And don't forget to watch season four of Search Party only on HBO Max. Thank you.